I think I have one more copy of Hosea 13, 9 through 16. Does anybody need it? And if not, I can have carry. If I need more than that, I can have my secretary go and fill some in. Anybody else? I'll just, I won't write on it. I'll, I'll copy it. I'll anybody else need a copy? You want to make us a couple, Carrie? Okay. No, that's fine. That's fine. So, no, no, you're good. I'm going to just have Carrie do a couple more. So where we are is Hosea chapter 13. And I know I've been on this chapter for, it seems like, forever. But there are some neat things in this chapter that I want to really pull out. Last week I gave you all some homework and I... Yeah, and I didn't do it because I was thinking today, what was it I was supposed to be doing? Okay, well we'll go through it before we get there. So we're basically going to be on the second page of our handout. So Carrie's going to bring those in and by the time she gets back we'll be ready to go because I want to just go ahead and read uh, chapter 13 again. And again, this chapter is a key chapter in a book in the Bible actually. And yet, you know, we don't see it, but how many places in the Old Testament do you hear the Lord say that he's the savior? Not too often. You'll see it but you see it specifically in here. Hosea chapter 13, and just bear with me, we'll read through it. It says, When Ephraim, and who's Ephraim? Israel, the northern tribes. When Ephraim spake trembling, he exalted himself in Israel. In other words, when, when the northern kingdom, when Israel obeyed God and, and humbled himself, he exalted himself, but when he offended in Baal, he died. Again, so when he starts worshiping Baal, it's down the tubes. And now they sin more and more and have made them molten images of their silver and idols according to their own understanding. All of it the work of the craftsmen. They say of them, let the men that sacrifice kiss the calves. So not only are they sacrificing to Baal, not only are they making idols and statues to worship. Now they're falling down before and kissing the statue. I mean, just how far do you go? It just keeps going down and down, okay? Verse 3 says, Therefore they shall be as the morning cloud and as the early dew that passes away and as the chaff that is driven with the whirlwind out of the floor and as the smoke of the chimney. In other words, he goes, you're going to soon pass away. And if it wasn't for God giving promises to Israel in the first place, there would be no Israel. Israel would be gone. You know, and so the fact is, God loves Israel, even when they're disobeying and serving Satan, basically, is what it comes down to. God still loves them. And he wants them to come back to him. You know, and if you have children, it's like if you have a wayward child. You understand that, that they do what they want to do, and you can't control them, and you can't control that relationship. But, you know, but, but as a good father, God always wants his children to come back to him. He's going to love them, but God, as a good father, is also going to let them suffer the consequences of their sins. But he will not let them totally destroy themselves, because he has a promise given to them, okay? Verse 4 says, Yet... Even though you guys are going to go away, yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. And thou shalt know no God but me, for there is no Savior beside me. Okay? 
It says, I did know thee in the wilderness in the land of great drought. According to their pastor, so were they filled. They were filled with, and their heart was exalted, and therefore have they forgotten me. Now, that's kind of hitting home with us, because when people have everything they want, they forget who God is. And it's amazing the things that people will put in their life to take God's place. And then blame God yes. when something yeah. doesn't happen. Yeah, it's, I mean, they'll put sports in there. They'll put going to, the, and I'm not saying sports are bad. They'll, they'll put going to the lake, and I see it. I come to church on, down here, and I'm coming down on Friday night to clean the church, and I mean, this thing will be packed. 49 will be packed up here on a Friday night, and so we'll get off and go around, and they're all running to the lake, and then on Sunday after church, I can't get on the highway cause, mm-hmm. after church because they're just coming and coming and coming. And I'm like, they're Friday night and Sunday. It's like they run to the lake and they run back. And I'm like, you guys are just, you're like, you're like, you're like rats on a wheel, man. I mean, you're just going round and round. Can you not just calm down a little bit? You know, we have to have people out there watching when they, when they do the walk. Yeah. Because they do it Friday night. Yeah. And then the people are just flying through there. You know, and we got to. Yeah. So even in our life, when things are good, mm-hmm. a lot of times we put God on the backside. But when things are bad, oh, now we're praying all the time. You know, we're like, oh God, if you just get me out of this spot, I'll come and serve you. Oh, I need to get back to church because this is happening in my life. Right. And so, I mean, that's not any different than us. When things are great in our life, we should not, and hopefully we don't. But a lot of times we have, we tend to put God away but oh when we need him <laughs> we're right there okay and now what do we do when we have fr- anybody have a friend like that or have people in their life like that that you don't ever see them unless they want something mm-hmm. kind of like uh, my kids my kids may, i may not see them for a little bit till they till they want especially my daughter till she needs something then it's like hey dad <laughs> i haven't talked to you for three months but could i do this or do you have this or can i get th-? and i'm like and as a father, she comes to you to ask that's true. Okay. So we all kind of understand that. Well, Israel's the same way. Okay. It says um, they had forgotten him, forgotten him in verse 6. Therefore, I will be unto them as a lion and as a leopard. By the way, will I observe them? I will meet them as a bear that is bereaved of her whelps and will rend the call of their heart. And there will I devour them like a lion and the wild beast shall tear them. Now, we saw uh, a couple, in the last couple of weeks, those are actually the nations that will come in and God uses them to judge Israel. So if you can figure out who those nations all are, and we talked about them a couple weeks ago. It says, verse 9, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself. They did it on their own, okay? But in me is thine help. So again, he goes, you got to come to me. I can get you out of this hole. You know, what do you do when when you're in a hole? When you've dug yourself into a hole, what's the first thing you need to do? Stop digging. <laughs> okay? Stop digging. It's like, look up. Uh, same way with us when, you know, we do that First John 1, 9 thing. It says, O Israel, thou hast destroyed thyself, but in me is thine help. So he's pleading with them to come to him. Verse 10, I will be thy king. Now, when has God been their king? 
Well, not physically. Okay, true. They began. I mean, when it began. Well, I mean, he was their God, but when has he actually been their king? Never. Never. And that will happen when? When Christ comes back, he will actually sit on the throne in the millennium in Israel, and he will be their king. He will be the king, okay? He says, I will be thy king. Where is any other that may save thee in all thy cities? Again, he's pleading to Israel to come back to him. And thy judges of whom thou saidest, give me a king and princess. I gave thee a king in mine anger and took him away in my wrath. So, uh, we talked about that on the front page of your handout. Uh, some of the kings that God gave them, it was from, and specifically the northern kingdom, it was from Jeroboam to Hosea. Hosea is the last king. He's probably the king at the very end of Hosea. And he's a bad king. They've been a bad example. Solomon started out good, but ended up bad. And then you got David made bad decisions. And basically Saul. Saul was actually a bad king. And let me really point it out. Every one of them was a bad king. But when Christ comes, he will be the righteous king. He will be the king they need. Because in man, everything is, is, is sinful and bad. And, and man is just not going to make it apart from God. And we see that in our life, okay? Okay, it's, where am I at? Verse 12. The iniquity of Ephraim is bound up. His sin is head. Verse 13. And we're going to spend some time in 13 and 14 today in the rest of the chapter. It says, The sorrows of a travailing woman shall come upon him. He is an unwise son, for he should not stay long in the place of breaking forth of children. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. Repentance shall be hid from mine eyes. That was the homework. It says, Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come, the wind of the Lord shall come the wind of the Lord shall come up from the wilderness, and his spring shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up. He shall spoil the treasure of all pleasant vessels. Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath rebelled against her God. They shall fall by the sword, their infant shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child shall be ripped up. So let's Let's talk about specifically verse 13 and 14. And we talked about last week, the beginning, the sorrows of the travailing woman shall come upon him. And when we talked about last week, I really pointed out, what is the Bible talking about when it talks about travail? It is talking about childbirth and pain, and it's basically tying it to the tribulation. And the reason is it ties it to the tribulation is because the nation of Israel is going to be reborn. As a woman gives, they're going to be reborn. So when you're born, you have that woman in travail, okay? And so we had several passages that we dealt with that. And so I gave you all those, if you have your handout, from Genesis all the way to Revelation 12, 2. But I want to, I want to focus on this next point here. It says, verse 14, I will ransom them from the power of their grave. I will redeem them from death. Okay? So first of all, he says that he will re ransom them from the power of the grave. So first of all, 
Who is the I in verse 14? God. Okay, so God is the I. So God says, I will ransom them. Who's the them? Who's he talking to? Okay, context is Israel. He says, I, God, I am going to uh, ransom Israel from the power of the grave. So what does ransom mean? How would we define that? When you pay a ransom, you're paying a, um, money for the release of somebody. It's, asking, it's really he's saying he wants to release them from I Okay, a release. Okay. A saving. Okay. Okay. And, and the reason I'm saying that, because right after this it says, in verse 14, I will ransom them from the power of the grave, and I will redeem them from death. So really I'm wanting to point out, what is the difference between ransom and redeem? Okay? And it, you might say, well, you know, they're the same. No, they're not, because they're spelled different. Okay? So, uh, don't tell me that. Deliverance. What is the difference and what do they mean? So let's let's look at this for a minute. Rams, ransom means to deliver from sin. Redeem means it's to recover ownership by paying a price. Okay? So a ransom is to deliver from sin. It's a little bit different than redeem because redeem is to recover something that you already owned. Okay? So it says here that God will ransom them or it means to uh, deliver them or to... Uh, and again, they're, they're pretty close. Okay? And so He's going to ransom them from the power of the grave. And again, the, the them is Israel. And we saw that redeem is basically to, to deliver, and specifically here, to deliver from sin, a ransom. Ransom is deliver from sin. It's to deliver from, from sin. Yes. And redeem is to recover ownerships by paying a price. Now, now, to make the matters worse, that's that's when they're used as a verb, but they can also be used as a noun, which will kind of somewhat switch the context a little bit. So it says that he, God, will ransom Israel from the power of the grave. Because when we're thinking about in Hosea, the nation of Israel's toast. They're done. They are completely done. And here's the sad part. I think they're apart from God and they will... And if I'm thinking in the back of my head is, they're going to hell, straight to hell. There is no going to, you know, to go. They are going straight to hell here because they are worshiping Satan instead of God and they're not returning to him. But God says, you know what, I love you guys so much that even I made, I made the nation a promise. Your descendants will be reborn. They're going, and your descendants is who he's going to ransom from the grave. And he will ransom them from the grave if they were obeying him. But most of the people he's talking to here in Hosea, they're done. And we kind of see it physically here at the end of the chapter. But he's going to ransom them from the power of the grave. Now, can God do that? Yeah. 
God can do that, and He will do that. Turn over in your Bible to Isaiah, to Isaiah chapter 43. And let's read 1 through 7. Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. It says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob. And, he, and now who's Jacob here? It, it's Judah. It's, a, it's actually Judah. Okay. It says, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel. Now, well, now he just lumped the other group together. Okay. Uh, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. It's interesting, he has redeemed thee. And I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. When thou passest through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overthrow, overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, Thy Savior, well, here's another place it talks about Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopia and Seba for thee. So here's the, the ransom. I gave Egypt for thy ransom. Since thou wast precious in my sight, thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. Therefore will I give men for thee and people for thy life. Fear not, for I am with thee, and I will bring thy seed from the east and gather Thee from the west, and I will say to the north, Give up, and to the south, Keep not back, and bring my sons from far, and my daughters from the ends of the earth. Every, even every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory, I have formed him, yea, I have made him. So that's a great verse in verse 7. It basically says, Why God has created all men, but specifically Israel. He had created Israel for his glory. And that's the same way with us. You see, there is a connection between Israel and the church because they are both God's people. And you know what? As you were reading that, I was thinking how important it is for us to live like saved people, like his own, you know, his daughter. I'm his daughter. I need to live like that so because, you know, I belong to him and my what I do affects the people around me. Okay, so that's exactly what this whole chapter is about. Not only the, the church, Christian, you and I should be that way, but Israel should have been doing that in Hosea. Okay. devotion I had this week, said if you squeeze a lemon, you should get lemon juice. If you squeeze an orange, you should get orange juice. If you squeeze a Christian, you should get Christ. Amen, that's a good one. Okay, yeah. true. If you squeeze a Christian, you you should see Christ. Okay. All right. So basically, okay. Let me go. I gave Egypt for thy ransom and Ethiopia and Seba for thee. I think he's basically saying, he goes, that he has destroyed other nations for Israel's sake. Okay. And so... He, it says in verse 1 of 43, says, I have redeemed thee. Every time you see redeemed, you're going to see ransomed some, somewhere, okay? Because they kind of go together. Um, and it says, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. Well, that's the same thing he tells us, 
Okay, again, Israel is his son and we are his sons. Okay, and so God loves both of us. Okay, so he will ransom them. In other words, what did we say ransom? He's going to deliver them from their sin. Okay, and I've got some more verses for you. Isaiah 43, 1 through 7. Go over to 51, 10. I'll be careful I won't get done this week either, so I've got to get rolling. Isaiah 51, 10 says, Art thou not it which hath dried the sea, the waters of the great deep, that hath made the depths of the sea a way to pass, for the ransomed to pass over? He's talking about the, the Israelites going through the Red Sea. And he says for, he, the Red Sea was, was parted basically for the ransomed to come through. So God's people are ransomed. Okay, and what did we say ransom was? To deliver from sin and redeem is what? To recover, by pain, to recover ownership by paying a price. Okay, so we're going to look at that next. He says, I will ransom them from the power of what though? Back in Hosea, the power of the grave. He goes, because he's telling them, guys, you guys are done. You're done. Put a fork in you as a nation and as a people. You're done. But I'm going to... And then he tells us this stuff and they're probably sitting there thinking, well, why should I care if that's going to be my descendants and not me? It depends on how, how these people were. I don't even know if they were thinking that. But he says in 13, he says, The sorrows of a travailing woman shall come upon him. He is an unwise son, for he should not stay long in the place of the breaking forth of children. I will ransom them from the power of the grave. So he's talking about he's going to ransom them. The them is Israel, but it's the context is tribulation. And the context is the people that in the tribulation from the power of the grave. Okay? He's going to ransom them from the power of the grave. Now, how about us? Does he ransom us from the power of the grave? Turn over in your Bible to 1 Timothy 2.6. We're talking about Jesus here. It says, Who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. So, for the church, Christ gave himself as a ransom, but he did the same thing for Israel. Okay? So, back in Hosea, like I said, i got to move quick so we can get through this. It says, not only is he going to ransom them, he's going to redeem them from what? What's it actually say in verse 14? I will redeem them out, or I will redeem them from death. Okay. Well, let me give you some verses for that. Turn over in your Bible to Psalm 74.2. 
And if you go back at the, and you tell me, Bob, all you're doing is a word study. Yeah, you figured out my system. We're doing a word study today. Okay. Comparing scripture with scripture. Psalm 74, 2. And let's start off in verse 1. It says, O oh God, why hast thou cast us off forever? Why doth thine anger smoke against the sheep of thy pasture? Remember thy congregation which thou hast purchased of old, the rod of thine inheritance which thou hast redeemed. This Mount Zion where thou hast dwelt. So again, talking about God redeeming his people. Okay, And not only that, he's going to redeem them from death. So if you're writing notes, uh, you can also write uh, Psalm 77.15. And... The next one is Isaiah 43.1. So let's just turn and look at that one. Isaiah 43.1 says, Isaiah 43.1, But now thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. So again, over and over in the Bible, we're going to see that God is going to ransom his people and he's going to redeem them. But not specifically here, it says he's going to ransom them from the grave and he's going to redeem them from death. And we find that same thing for the church. And we see that. uh, Let's see, we see that in... uh, I'm trying to read my notes here. 1 Corinthians 15 should be where we need to go. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 15, 54. Chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians has a lot in it starts off with the gospel and down toward the end it talks about the rapture and all kinds of mysteries going on. Verse 51, let's start in verse 51. 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So let me stop there. So, again, talking about, O death and the grave. With Israel and Hosea, he gives us the same promises to the church in the New Testament that he's going to redeem us, he's going to ransom us from death and the grave. And destruction. Okay? So there is a connection. So, And again, why is that? Because we are both God's people. You know, I, uh, uh, Carrie and I are discipling um, 
Susan and 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 Butch Page and and, and uh, Butch is a military guy and he gave me a movie to watch. It's, uh, uh, it's not just a movie; it's a series of movies. It was called The Winds of War. Has anybody seen that movie? It's like six movies, three hours long, and it's set in World War II setting. And even in World War II, we, we, in the last show we just watched, it started showing where the SS is taking uh, the Russian Jews out of their homes after they were going into Russia and they're starting to shoot them and bury them in the, in the woods. And it's showing that, that the Nazis, everybody knows that the Nazis do not like the Jews. But yet we're seeing even the United States government had people in it that did not like the Jews. In this, in this, and so what we're seeing is, why does everybody have have such a distaste for the Jewish people, and and yet they're God's people, and so uh, it's interesting how how the world hates the Jewish people, even today, and and the world really hates Christians today too when it comes right down to it. And we're seeing that more and more all the time. And like Herod, I mean, not Herod, Pharaoh hated him. I mean, because he wanted all the men to be, the boys to be killed. I mean, he they were, he was afraid of them. He was afraid. Okay. They were ingenious. They were good workers. They could do a lot of things. And he was afraid of all of them. But they were God's people, right? Yeah. And he is a representative of Satan. And Satan hates God's people. And so... We have to think about that because we don't think that people hate us and we, we don't really think that Satan is after us even though the Bible tells us that. But we've got to stop and think. Does the world hate the Jewish people? Did the Nazis hate the Jewish people? Yeah. Satan hates us. That, that, that's all Satan. Satan hurt, hates the church the same way. He hates you and me the same way. Okay, So we need to realize that. But he says here that he's going to ransom them from the power of the grave and he's going to redeem them from death. And we find that in the New Testament for the church in 1 Corinthians, but we find it in the Old Testament with the Jewish people in the book of Hosea, among other places. Okay? Okay. The Jews are God's people chosen. Right. Okay. So that means that if I converted to Judaism or whatever, I'm still not God's chosen. I have to be born a Jewish person, correct? I would think so because um, the Jewish religion is not going to save you. Right. Uh, so he, he loves his people because of, their blo- of who they are, the not, what they're, not what they're worshiping mm-hmm. at the time, not even their tradition. Okay, or not? The law can't save us either. Right. So, um, so would a Christian, if they converted to Judaism, or even a lost person, if converts to Judaism, Doesn't they're still lost and going to hell. Right. Especially in the New Testament. And they're not God's chosen. But you have to have official Jewish blood in you in order to be God's chosen. But well, that's just a matter of. Fa- I mean. You're only a child. Nobody can be your children unless they are blood related. Okay, so it'd be like somebody, it'd be like your neighbor coming over and go, "Well, you know, I, I love Daya, I love you and Rex. And I, you're just my grandma and grandpa. I'm just, I'm just adopting you." Uh, well, they may be your adopted grandma and grandpa, but they're not blood. 
Okay. So I don't know if that helps your answer there. And, and Beverly, you had a question? No, I said she had a question. Oh, she had a question. Okay. So, again, my point I'm trying to point out is God loves his children and his promises to his children he will always fulfill. Even if they go off the deep end, he's still going to do his promises to their children. Now, that's probably not very consoling to the, to the Jews at the time, but God's word always prevails, okay? And so it says here, and let me go back to where I'm at. He goes, 14, I will ransom them, the Jewish people, from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. And again, what's the context? Tribulation. So keep that in the back of your head too now. It, it, he goes, I'm going to ransom, I'm re, I'm going to ransom the Jewish people from the power of the grave during the tribulation, basically is what it's saying. I will redeem the Jewish people from death during the tribulation. Okay. And then he says, O death, I will be thy plagues. O grave, I will be thy destruction. So he's speaking specifically here to, to, um, I don't want to say people, but to, to, what should I say? Carrie, help me out here. He's talking to death and the grave as they are a person. Okay, and so, but I also know that they're thrown in the lake of fire at the end. So, in fact, we'll look at that in a minute. He goes to death. He goes, oh, death, I will be thy plagues. He's talking to, to death saying, I will be thy plagues. Because usually death has its plagues. And he goes, no, 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 I'm going to be your plague, death. And he says, oh, grave, I will be your destruction. Okay, and then he says, "Repentance shall be hid from my eyes." Now that was your homework, and I was. The, and my question for your homework was, "Who's he talking about?" Repentance shall be hid from his eyes. Is he talking about Israel, if they repent, or who's he talking about? Death. He's talking about grave, the grave, and death. You're right. He's talking to them specifically. He goes. You guys are, he goes, you're going in, guys. You're done. I'm not going to repent of what I'm going to do to you. Okay? So he, he's, he's acting with them like, you know, like they are, like they are people. And he says, my, my ending for you guys, I'm not going to repent from it. And, and, and he does throw them in the lake of fire. In fact, go to Revelation 20 and verse 4. No, I'm sorry. Revelation 20 and verse 14. And let's back up to verse 12. Just to confuse everybody. Okay, get to con. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. So we're at the great white throne judgment. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. So, death here. O oh, death. He's going to be their plagues. Oh, grave, he's going to be their destructions. And then when he says, repentance shall be hid from my eye, mine eyes, he's talking to them. He's not talking to Israel. Because if you read that passage and you think, well, wait a minute, God says he's not going to, 
he's not going to, if Israel repents, he's not going to forgive them. That's not what the passage in Hosea says. He's talking to death in the grave. Okay? And the reason is, is because even though those people in, it, in Israel during Hosea's times do not repent and come right with God, the people in the tribulation, the nation of Israel, will repent. And they will be reborn again. And so that passage specifically, it's to those people. Okay, Those promises here that we see in Hosea are to the Jewish people in the book of, of Revelation, in the tribulation, that he, he is going to redeem, redeem them and ransom them and forgive them. Okay, So that's the point. So let's go back to Hosea and see if we can wrap this thing up. So again, in the middle of dealing with the Israelites in the book of Hosea, God starts putting things in there that take place during the tribulation to the nation of Israel, to a group of people that are the descendants of these people. These people are not even going to uh, be a part of that, but their descendants will. And it blows my mind. So, And then at the end of it, it kind of bounces back to modern day with Hosea. It says, uh, verse 15, Though he be fruitful among his brethren, an east wind shall come. The wind of the Lord shall come from the wilderness, and his spring shall become dry, and his fountain shall be dried up. And he, who's the he there? Well, if we study that out, that's the Assyrian king that's going to come in and take them all captive. He shall spoil the treasure of all pleasant vessels. And Samaria shall become desolate, for she hath rebelled against her God, and they shall fall by the sword. That's the he there back in verse uh, 15. Because the king of Assyria, uh, Sennacherib, I believe is his name. He's going to come in and he's going to t- capture everything in, in the book of Hosea with Israel and carry them captive, kill many of them, destroy them. Kind of the same thing that's going on in the Ukraine today with the Russians coming in. And basically says, And they shall fall by the sword, the people of Israel, and their infants shall be dashed in pieces, and their women with child shall be ripped up. So what do we see about this? We see that Israel's sins is going to cause them complete destruction. Their destruction will be quick. They're going to die by the sword. And number three, their sins that they're doing will affect the innocent. And you mentioned that earlier today, Sharon, that our, the things we do affect the people around us. Our sins affect the people around us. The, the sins of the people of Hosea are going to cause the nation to go down. They're going to cause people to get killed. They're going to cause uh, little ones, infants, to be killed. And they're, going to be, and they're going to cause women with child to be ripped up. That's about as bad as it goes. You know, so what can we learn from that? I don't know what what they learn from it. What can we learn from it? That our sins affect people around us, innocent people. So when we don't live our life for the Lord, innocent people are going to be affected by our sins. Okay. Again, the context is Israel is being destroyed in the book of Hosea, but will be saved at the end of the tribulation. God has two loves, Israel and the church. They both get saved. They both have a place in the millennium and eternity. The difference is we have different promises. Israel has a physical promise. 
that God will put them back in the land, that He will be their king, and it will be a physical kingdom. Okay? Our promise is spiritual. We're going to be with God, and we're going to, it's going to be a spiritual kingdom for us. But He loves us both the same way. And so for us to say, well, the Jewish people, you know, I'm I'm going to hate the Jewish people. No, 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 no. They are God's children. And what did we read way back, you know, a year ago in the promises that God gave uh, Abraham in Genesis? I will bless those that bless thee and curse those that curse thee. Why, Why did World War II go down and the Nazis lose? I've been watching this Nazi movie, so forgive me. Because they went against God's people. Even though God's people at the time might have not been doing what was right. They were still against God's people. Because God God always keeps His promises to His people. And that encourages me because even though I am a rat at times... I know you guys think I'm an angel. I do everything right. (laughs) Even though I can be a rat at times, God has still promised me things. One is eternal life. One is a home in heaven. One is the Holy Spirit. He's given me His... I mean, He's given us all these things. And even though we can blow it, God still loves us. And you know what? That's comforting. We have eternal security, which they didn't have in the Old Testament. Thank God I was born in, this te- in, in the New Testament. What if I was born in Hosea's time? Would I have been doing what was right, or I'd been one of these guys kissing the calf? I don't know. All I know is God is looking for people to love Him, and He will bless those that come to Him. He will redeem them, He will ransom, and He already has, because He had to do it through His own shed blood, because we could not do that ourselves. God has redeemed us and he has ransomed us. Why? Because we belong to him. Okay. So we're done with 13. I promise we will start 14 next week. We'll see how that goes. Uh, But here again, in the middle of Hosea is this verse. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt. Egypt, again, is just a, a, a type of the world. So we could put ourselves in this verse. Yet I am the Lord thy God from the land of Egypt, and thou shalt know no God, for there is no Savior besides me, or beside me. God has pulled us out of the world and given it, and brought us into His family and brought us into His world, and it's going to be a spiritual world that, you know, I'm going to look forward to waking up in the morning and not feeling like I got ran over by a truck. You know? You know, I used to think, okay, I want to have more hair, I want to be taller, I want to be good looking when I get there, and I'm thinking, I'm just going to settle for a body that don't hurt no more. (laughs) You know? But we're going to be with, I mean, we cannot even compare. We cannot even think of how good it's going to be to be with Christ for eternity. I mean, this is just a, a test, you know? This is just a test. You know, when you're a kid, and, you, you're, and I don't know about you guys, I, I was all about cartoons when I'm a kid, and I'm in front of the TV watching the cartoons, and then they would interrupt it. We interrupt this television broadcast for this thing, and they'd, and they'd have this noise come on, like it just wanted to make you smack your, the, your brother or sister sitting next to you because it was just so annoying. And I'm like, why did they have to put this on during Saturday cartoons? I never did figure that out. I hated it. But, I mean, life is a test, are we going to choose God 
in His saving grace, or are we going to do it on our own? And that's really it. Okay, at the beginning when we were talking about, you know, things happening to us and everything, it made me think of the verses in Proverbs 38 and 9, where Solomon says, Remove far from me vanity and lies. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me, lest I be full and deny thee. And say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of the Lord my God in vain. And so I, I was thinking of those when we were talking about uh, at the beginning about uh, before we really got into the lesson about, you know, bad things happening and everything. Yeah. And, you know, like earthquakes and stuff really do. Those people who have no hope, they turn to God. I mean, they really do. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, so, you know, I, I read a, a book about a lady who was a missionary to New Guinea, and she went under terrible circumstances, and she had a Bible study going on in, in, a, in a prison war camp for women. And people came to know Christ in that camp, and they would pray God and thank God for the war, because if it wasn't for the war, they wouldn't know Him as Lord and Savior. And I'm like, how? That is rough. To be in a prison of war camp and thank God for the war because you got saved in that war. So those, the, the, you know, so God does use extreme situations to bring us to Him. He's able to use anything. We have to decide. Okay, God, yes or God, no. Right, right. So, all right. So, well, next week again, Hosea chapter fourteen. So let's pray and we'll get, we'll get on to a main service. Father in heaven, we we do thank you for your word. And more specifically, Lord, we thank you for the promises in, in your book, Lord, that, that are to us, that we can bank on, that we can count on and be assured of. And Lord, we just pray that you come quickly. And, and in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Yeah, I can't wait to have a body that doesn't hurt. That I can move. I can run.